surprise me again? That's what I do. I know. Before we do that, though, uh, Father in Heaven, thank you for this opportunity to come together with my brother Mike and talk about you. It is always an honor and a privilege to get to do so, Lord. I ask that you would keep our internets connected hmm. and rolling because that seems to be an issue today. But it won't be. Not anymore. Amen. Amen. Uh, got a verse for you here today. And this was actually sent to me by a buddy of mine who just recently taught a Bible study on this. This is Exodus fourteen thirteen, And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still hmm. and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. And he told me that the word used in that forever, that ever word, actually means eternal. You will no longer see them eternally. Hmm. And I thought that's pretty doggone cool because Egypt, biblically speaking, is a picture of the world. Yep. yep and so yep. you and I seem to be at a place right now where the Lord has led us right up to the Red Sea. We're kind of right on the edge of it there. And we've got the world behind us, ready to ease us alive, man. Ready to take us back into slavery, back into bondage. And then we've got this sea in front of us. And uh, we're waiting on the Lord to do something. And I would say the Lord is saying to you and me today the same thing. He says, uh, for the world, substituting Egyptians here, for the world whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. That's where I think we're at in this biblical prophetic timeline. And we could talk about a whole myriad of things. We could talk about how uh, the world is going away from, from man and woman as God created them. The world is going away from the marriage and the what do they call it? The uh, nuclear family. The world's trying to push us away from that. We sacrifice millions of kids in the womb. And then we start to see some of the judgment coming upon us. And it's not quite here yet, but it's getting pretty close. And we could talk about how, you know, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, right? There's, there's uh, the rider on the white horse, and he seems to be coming with some sort of peace or covenant or agreement or something like that, right? But he's somebody that the world's going to look to, and the world is ready. The world's ready to accept anybody. They were ready to accept anybody back in the 50s when, when uh, whoever that guy was, and I can't remember his name, but he said, he said, what we want is not another committee. What we want is a man of sufficient stature, you know, to, to make everything okay. And he said, be this man, God, or be he the devil, we will receive him. Mm. I think that's interesting that he uses the word receive too, because that's the same word that, that we use when it comes to Christ, you know, where to receive him. Well, he's talking about receiving whoever fits the description of the antichrist, basically. Uh, you know, we've got, 
another one of the horsemen of the apocalypse has to do with with famine. You know, a day's wages for a loaf of bread and a day's wages for some barley loaf. So we're coming to that point too with banks collapsing and everything else. And what are they going to do when the banks collapse? They're going to introduce this central bank digital currency. And along with that, in order to use that, you're going to have to have a digital ID. Well, how are they going to enforce that? Well, now, for the first time in human history, we see that they are going to want every single person in the world to have a mark, right? It's going to require some sort of identification that you cannot change. And how else can you do that besides put it in the body? So, I mean, everything is lining up and it blows me away. You know, as you're saying that, I'm just reminded how not only is everything lining up, everything is out in the open. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's not like, you know, the the world economic fools are hiding it and it's all out in the open and, you know, pastoring a church is very interesting because everybody has, you know, differing opinions and views. Um, and, you know, what's interesting is, you know, cause there's the three camps, right? Pre-trib, mid-trib and a-trib, right? Post-trib. Um, and for the life of me, I, I try to understand the mid trip and the post trip and I don't know why anybody would want to choose to go through the tribulation period. And, you know, as you're saying how everything is lining up, like, it's like, we've got our ticket to board the airlines and we're just waiting for the flight. And until you do, you just, you just gotta be busy about the Lord's business. Right. And so, I mean, you talk about the CBDC, which is the central bank digital currency. And who would have thought, you know, it's almost like because Satan knows the Bible, Satan has infused these thoughts into these demonic world leaders to go into that direction, you know, because you and I both know, having been in uniform a lot, you're still in it. I'm, I'm doing it as a chaplain now, but you know, when a guy barricades himself, right. And whether he's got hostages or doesn't have hostages, if he, if he's a genuine criminal where he doesn't give a crap about the uniform members and doesn't give a crap about the hostages. And if, if the good guys are coming in to get the bad guy, the bad guy, he's going to do whatever it takes to kill as many good guys, whether it be to blow up the house, shoot up the house, whatever that's, you know, that's like that last minute ditch, because we know in the Bible, Satan's going to do whatever he's going to do to steal, kill, and destroy, right? And what trips me out is like people are not like preparing themselves spiritually. 
Meaning, I think a lot of Christians are becoming doomsday preppers because they're going to buy food, they're going to buy beans and rice and all this other stuff, but yet spiritually they're not preparing themselves to, how do you say it, to be taken up or to be raptured or to be ready to be taken up. Um, and they're not living in that way, which you and I both know as we see the end times. Uh-oh, did I lose you? Sorry, no, I, I'm still here. I just turned it on low data mode and then my dog's. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's okay. We're, we're, we're not, you know, a professional production crew. So, but as I was saying, you know, you're talking about all these things lining up. I mean, you got gas prices going up, food prices going up. You've got floods all over the place. You've got earthquakes. You've got a war taking place between Russia and Ukraine. You know, China's back in Russia now. You've got Israel that's kind of like being forced to be on their own. And so, but like you said, I mean, things are lining up. And once things line up, you know, the Bible says to look up our redemption draws nigh. So, yeah, exactly. Jesus said, when you see these things begin to happen, and then he compared these events to birth pangs. And you know what? I've never had a kid, but I have noticed that once those birth pangs start, they don't stop until mm -hmm. that kid's born. And so that's what we're looking toward is, is for the birth. And when I say birth, you know, that that's going to be, that's going to be the rapture of the church. And then the birth pangs get pretty darn intense in the tribulation period. Another thing I wanted to mention, Michael, is, you know, there's so much going on right now that you could have a prophecy update every single day. You know, I follow this um, end time headlines on Instagram because it, you know, it shows these headlines that are pertinent to Bible prophecy and it shows them every single day. And there's not a day that goes by that there isn't something new on there. But one thing that has interested me quite a bit is um, Neuralink. You know, um, what's his butt with Tesla he has created this uh, Neuralink. What's his name, Mike? Uh, Elon Musk, you talking about? Yeah, Elon. So he's got this, you know, this chip that attaches or goes into the to the brain and they tested it on, a, on like an ape or something. And the ape was playing pong. You know, you probably saw that, but this is interesting to me because, uh, Klaus Schwab talks about the fourth industrial rev revolution, um, saying that the whole point of it is to merge man and machine. Uh, if we go to Genesis chapter six in verse 11, this is just before the flood. This is one of, um, the Lord is telling us about his conversation with Noah and, and why these things occurred. And it says the earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth and indeed it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And so it makes me think, okay, corruption is this the corruption of the creation, like messing with God's intended purposes. Did they mess with the human DNA where they're mixing it? Maybe it talks about the Nephilim and, hmm. and the sons of the sons of God finding 
human women beautiful and and whatnot. Then it says this, a couple of verses before that, it says, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And I wonder, I've heard it spoken of before, maybe that perfect in his generations, maybe that speaks to his his DNA because it wasn't corrupted. So um, I don't know, each of us is a sinner. So it's not saying that, that Noah wasn't a sinner because he was. We see that after the flood, right? But um, I think maybe there was something about Noah that was pure. I, did, and I, didn't, this, I didn't think he knew about that. <laughs> knew about what? Know about that? I didn't know about that. Oh, look at you. Look at you. Puns. Dumb pastoral puns. Whatever, dude. It's a dad joke. I heard a study recently that kids who uh, hear a lot of dad jokes actually grow up healthier. That's probably true. Yeah. I don't know. But well, anyway, the Neuralink, that the whole deal is interesting to me because they are, when I say they, you know, the World Economic Forum, these Klaus Schwab types, Yaval Harari and all these folks, they are trying to mess with the human DNA. Mm-hmm. And um, I even heard recently that, um, or I read recently from, I don't remember if it was Yaval it might have been you all talking about that they may very well be um, mortal, immortal, because they think that they have the science to to uh, create immortality for us. Well, I, I think with those guys, like you've all, you, you know, it's interesting because isn't you've all Jewish? <laughs> yeah, and and he, here he is; he's being deceived. Right. Um, mm-hmm. We know in scriptures that we're told that even the very elect was deceived. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what's interesting is technology has advanced so fast. You mentioned like, like you can have end times prophecy update almost on an hourly basis because, you know, Prophecy updates maybe 20 years ago. It was rare that you would probably do an update every single hour, right? But with today's technology, with, you know, with Twitter and Instagram and all that good stuff, you you can literally do prophecy update hourly. And, And that's why, you know, when I mentioned earlier, and, you know, when you mentioned this, everything's lining up, all the technology's there. You, you've got, you know, what is it, chat GPT, um, which is another scary yeah. program yeah. where you can copy and paste and enter it in. And you can have the chat GPT, you know, write a sermon for you or write a resume. And, you know, I just saw something on uh, Instagram and he, he's a tech nerd, you know, he just helps people. And he's just like, hey, if you're looking for a particular job, go to that job post, copy and paste the job description, come back to Ch- chat GPT, and then plug it in and then it'll write your resume for you, right? Hmm. And I'm just like, this is crazy. Like, I remember when I was interviewing for fire and police departments, I studied days, sometimes weeks and hours about the department you know, and how, you know, 
how I'm going to get hired on, how I'm going to uh, be part of the crew and blah, 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 blah. Right. And then now you don't even need to do that because you got chat GPT, you plug in some information and it, it'll give you a feedback. And so, and it's almost as if like the scandemic, you know, the coronavirus has forced the world to study the same, you know, information, so to speak, right? Like yeah. the, the legacy media, meaning, you know, MSDNC and, you know, CNN, the Communist News Network. It's like George Soros has given them a script that every single liberal network is repeating the same thing. And once people listen to that, it's like, you know, Hitler, when he was ruling and reigning Germany, that propaganda, he just repeated the information over and over and over and over again so that people are going to be deceived and, you know, believe it. Because yeah. scriptures tells us that in the last days for us not to be deceived, right? Yep. Let yep. no man deceive you. And so, and my concern is like, if you're not in, you know, if you're not studying the word of God and if you're not, you know, into the scriptures and you're not, you know, in it for yourself and you're, you know, receiving, how do you say it? Like regurgitated Bible studies, regurgitated information and you don't study it for yourself, right? Yeah. I think there's a grave danger to where you can be deceived, right? And, you know, I'll relate it to the food, you know, the food side of it. In the 70s and 80s, they were saying that the yolk and the egg was bad for you, that it, it causes, you know, higher cholesterol levels, and then it's not good for you. And that you should, you know, stick with grains, cereals, okay, blah, blah, blah. Well, not that long ago, they realized that the choline and the yolk is good for your, you know, your eyes. It's what, what they were preaching that propaganda was all funded by money, mm -hmm. you know, and at, at the end of the day, these guys like Yuval and Schwab and Soros, they're getting their agenda pushed because they've got money. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just thinking out loud in my head, Judas Iscariot sold Jesus Christ for, you know, what, 30 pieces of silver. Yeah. And it seems as though that even conservatives and even Christians and the church at large with the capital C, is in some ways being bought out with money, right? And it makes me wonder, like the church in the last days, believers in the last days, are they taking the same steps as Judas Iscariot did, right? And betraying innocent blood. No. 
just my thoughts. <laughs> well, that's tough. Yeah, that's a good question because you see so many, you know, I, um, what is that? Julie Roy's? Is that who that is? Yeah, Julie Roy's report, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> there is so much corruption in the church. And granted, you know what? The, the, the church is, it's full of sinners, you know, but Jesus warned about the wolves in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right, as we get toward the end here, that's why Jesus started Luke 21, Mark 13, and Matthew 24 with, be sure that you are not deceived. Because there's deception everywhere. And unless you are rooted in the Word of God, you're, you're so susceptible to deception. I mean, we all are, and that's why God gives us discernment. But unless you have a solid foundation in God's word, man, unless you know the true authentic, you're not going to be able to recognize the counterfeit, mm-hmm. right? Because there's some counterfeits out there that look pretty stinking good. That's why, you know, in, in banking systems and the banks, uh, tellers used to handle so much money before they would go and actually start working at the desk because once they did that, they would have such a a, a feel and a, and a sense for the true and the authentic that they could be, you know, thumbing through bills and just feel a counterfeit. Mm-hmm. They were so familiar with the authentic. And unless we are super familiar with the authentic via the word of God, then we can be fooled by the counterfeit. And really, that's what the Antichrist is. The Antichrist is a counterfeit. It's the unholy trinity. And I'm not talking about me, myself, and I. I'm talking about the the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the dragon Mm. via Satan. And that is the unholy trinity. And as we we get closer to the, the time that, you know, this Daniel 70th week, we can start to see more evidence. Or this counterfeit that's that's going to come on the stage not long after we're gone. But, you know, I have heard a lot of criticism, criticism about the pre-tribulation rapture, and that's okay. Um, I don't think that everybody has to believe in that. But if you don't, man, the, the problem with not believing in it, I see, I see two major problems with it. I see, number one, you're not looking for Jesus Christ. You're looking for the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. And so it takes your focus off of where it should really be. And Jesus said in Revelation 3.10 that uh, he would keep, you know, pray that you're, uh, or, or how does he put it? That he would keep us from the hour of trial. Um, and I don't know what else that means unless he's talking about the tribulation that begins, you know, three verses or three chapters later. Mm-hmm. But then the other problem I see with it is that the point of the tribulation as John Corson would say, is it, it's to wake up a nation via Israel, to shake up the heathen, and to make up a make up a people, you know, via the church in heaven. But waking up, waking up a nation, I hear a lot of people say, "Well, we have to go through the tribulation in order to be refined, you know, to be made pure like gold." Well, to that, I would say, "Okay, then, 
why did Christ die? What is the point if if our salvation comes from Christ and God poured his wrath out on Jesus on the cross? Why do we need to deal with God's wrath being poured out on us after the fact? That doesn't seem real logical to me. And on top of that, it's uh, it's kind of almost a replacement theology because the, the whole point of the tribulation is to wake up the nation mm-hmm. of Israel. None of us want Israel to go through the tribulation, but as has happened throughout the Bible, you know, as I was listening to Skip Isaac today, as he was, as he said, the major problem with Israel is apostasy. And uh, we see that even today, the, the amount of atheists and well, a lot of them just claim to be cultural Jews, you know, or, or genealogical Jews and not so much believers in God. So yeah. that's a huge purpose to the tribulation period is that it says that all, all of Israel will be saved. You know, on Sunday when I was teaching in the book of Acts, uh, I, I read a statistic from Christ, uh, Arizona Christian University and they cited Barner research that the biblical worldview amongst, and this is regarding pastors, you know, senior pastor, assistant pastor, executive pastor, mm-hmm. youth pastor, and the children's ministry pastor. And it, it's scary to see, I think the step for the senior pastor is at 41 or 46% of senior pastors have a biblical worldview. And, and that shocked me because then that means more than 50% of senior pastors don't have a biblical worldview. You know, and if you, and I'm like, man, it, it, and I read this quote in my study. I'm going to grab my phone up again. I'm going to look because I was looking it up. Um, you know, Ralph Waldo Emerson was quoted, uh, credited for this. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. And I kind of shared with the people at the church. I said, what are we sowing into? You know? And Mm -hmm. if we, as believers, don't believe in the inerrancy of the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, then you're definitely, your worldview is skewed. It's marred, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm sowing into the scriptures and... And, you know, and this, I, I say this, you know, respectfully and gently. Um, I have nothing against Baptists or Methodists. Uh, a lot of these denominations are pulling away from the Word of God, you know. Um, sadly, you know, the Methodist church movement that was started by the Wesley brothers that used to be in the, you know, millions and upon millions of people across the country uh, is down to 7 million as of 2000, right? Um, they they allowed the world and the culture to come into the church and to dictate what should be taught and what should be accepted. You know, when they're, you know, okaying for gay and lesbian pastors and gay and lesbian marriages and supporting abortion and drag queens now, 
and, and I realized that the practices that we have on a daily basis is obviously going to affect the future, right? Paul says that whatsoever a man soweth that he shall reapeth. And so if I'm sowing into the scriptures, and this is where I want to be sensitive to other denominations respectfully, but as a Calvary Chapel pastor, you teach expositionally from Genesis to Revelation. When you teach in that fashion, you're going through book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, you're going to come across prophecies. There's no doubt about it, right? And when you come across those prophecies, you deal with the church and then you deal with Israel separately. And I've mm -hmm. dealt with my own friends that, that are telling me, oh, you know, uh, the church is the new Israel. And I was like, where do you find that in the scripture? You know, and, and this is where as believers, if you're reading the Bible and let's take denominations out of the way, you know, cause we all know that there are a lot of secret friendly churches out there that teach topically and series. But if as believers, you know, we read the Bible every single day and we pray, and you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. As an individual, how do you deal with the prophecies regarding Israel and the end times? And like when you read the Bible in and of itself and you see all that's taking place in the world, you're like, man, things are being lined up. And you know, you, you kind of put a thought in my head, right, with, you know, John Corson saying, right, to wake up a nation. And I remember him sharing that in his revelation studies. And someone messaged me is, you know, who said, is John trying to say to wake up the United States? And I was like, well, I don't think he's implying that. I think he's implying Israel. But I said, you know, speaking of United States, though, United States is not mentioned in Scripture. Mm -hmm. And that's where I, you know, I remind people, I was like, man, United States it was once one of the greatest nations and it still is, and it still can be in the world. But United States right now under the current administration is no longer supporting Israel. And if I'm not mistaken, God says, if a nation blesses Israel, I will bless that nation. And we see that the current administration does not support Israel. And we can see that God is not blessing Israel. I mean, our country, right? And so prophetically, we know that United States technically can't be in the picture because, you know, we were such a huge support for the nation of Israel. And then the current administration is slowly but surely doing away with it, right? And, and yep. so... I think there is that, you know, at least as a pastor for myself and for the fellowship that God has given me the honor of, you know, shepherding is, you know, be about the father's business, being in the word of God and whether the Lord takes you personally, you know, in a personal rapture because all of us could die in a car accident or 
Key Reps as a church as a whole, you want to be ready, right? You don't want to be that person who's rushing to the airport and you miss your flight. And so I encourage the church all the time. I was like, you know, abide in Christ. You know, John 15 tells us that abide in Christ, abide in Christ. And the book of first John reminds us that if we're in Christ, he is in us. So if God is in us, if at any time that when the Lord takes us home, we're ready to go because we're abiding in Christ. And, but if you're not abiding in Christ, what, what are you doing? Right. And I don't want to figure that out. And I don't want to assume anything either. <laughs> yeah. Looking for a verse here for you. Uh, let's see. While you're doing that, I'm just going to make a comment to our listeners or those that are watching. As we're recording this, I see it, the letter A. But not Adam's face. So sad. Hmm. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow hmm. as others who have hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. I wanted to read that section real quick because, well, there's a few reasons, right? One, we need to be comforted that those who have gone before us, that they will meet the Lord as well. And we don't have to have no hope, right? Because we are those who have hope. But also, I've heard, a, I've heard it said way too often lately that the word rapture is not in the Bible. <laughs> oh, you know what? You're right. It's not in the Bible. That's not the word that we read here. Okay? Those who are alive and remain shall be caught up. That term caught up is actually in the Greek harpazo or harpazo. Okay? The Latin of that word is rapturo or raptus, English translation, rapture. But our Bibles say caught up. So, that being said, Paul said it right there. Those who are alive and remain will be caught up. Now, uh, I want to ask you this. Why would we be caught up at the end of the tribulation and just turn around and come back? Because according to Revelation 19, Jesus comes back and we come with him. So, why would we turn around and come back with him? It's like a yo-yo effect or something. I don't even know what it is. But then what would be the point of, you know, the symbolism of, of the wedding feast when Jesus said, drink of this cup, you know, you will not, I will not drink of it again until I drink with you in my kingdom. So it, it doesn't add up to me. That's okay. There's plenty of folks that disagree and we can, we can disagree on that. That's fine. Um, 
but this this gives me hope. So maybe it gives you hope too. Maybe it gives you hope too. Anyway, I think that day's awfully close. I think uh, if you haven't noticed, the enemy is on a super long leash mm-hmm. right now. And I think this is why he knows that his time is short. God knows. God knows as well. And God knows that the world is is looking a whole lot like it did in the days of Lot and in the days of Noah. You know, um, there's, well, the days of Lot. It, sexuality everywhere. You know, everybody is evil and doing evil all the time. Same with Noah. There's violence everywhere all the time. And if you don't see it, it's because you don't want to see it. And trust me when I say that being somebody in the law enforcement field, this junk is going on all the time. So the point of talking about this isn't to freak you out and say, oh, no, we're so close to the end. What am I going to do? I need to stockpile some stuff. I need to, you know, make sure that we go off grid and all this other stuff. Do that if that's what the Lord's calling you to do. Okay, go for it. I'm not going to speak for God. But I will say that we're not supposed to live in fear. And the reason for prophecy is to be prepared. And we have plenty of examples in the Bible where God has preserved his people in the midst of terrible times. You could talk about Noah, but I think Noah represents Israel. I think Enoch represents the church. He was taken up mm-hmm. and out of that. You Enoch know, walked with God and was not. Right. You know, you know, I, you're a big encouragement when you started doing your verse of the day. So I, I copied you. And today I shared how, you know, um, perfect love casts out fear. And, oh, yeah. you know, in first John chapter four, it says that fear torments. And we could see that Satan is definitely using the tool of fear to torment, not just not just, you know, non-believers, just but believers in general. And, you know, one of the witnessing tools that I have, you know, with my neighbors, neighbors that I that I care for and trust and I've shared the gospel with, but they have yet to come to faith in Jesus Christ. You know, I have a next door neighbor who, uh, who's a, who told me he's uh, an atheist. His wife is a believer. And so I told him, I go, Hey, in an event that all of a sudden there's a bunch of people that go missing. Okay. And I'm sure your wife has told you it's called the rapture of the church. I go in an event that happens. I have rice and beans inside my house, you know, and he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I go, there's going to come a time when God's going to be done with humanity's follies and he's going to take the church up. And, mm-hmm. you know, you told me that you're an atheist, uh, you know, um, and I just said, well, that's fine. That's your choice. I'm telling you right now, you know, even atheists believe in something and whether that be themselves or, you know, a higher being, but, in an event that your wife, my family, those that name Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, 
And there's world pandemonium because not just a few, but millions of people go missing. There's a good chance that is the rapture of the church. And you're going to need food and you're going to need, you know, things to take care of yourself. Well, it's, you know, you can go into my house when that happens. And he, <laughs> he's like, oh, Mike, you're being crazy. I said, no, I'm not being crazy. I said, just look at the world of what's going on, you know, not only with the the world economic uh, folly, those idiots there and the COVID idiots and all the pandemic people. I said, I go, this is all a trial run in my opinion. And mm -hmm. I go, and obviously that's a whole nother subject and a topic that we can get into. But, you know, you, you hit it just the the right right there on the right spot where people say well rapture's not mentioned or you know and as i tell people i was like you know what internet internet is not mentioned in the bible but we use it right iphone <laughs> is not in the bible but we use it right and i said mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that technically the word is not written in the bible but it's it happens it's there and i tell people i was like listen I go, the only time, I mean, you, you see in the scriptures, things that aren't mentioned are because of the advance of technology. I, I yeah. tell people all the time, I was like, listen, I said, I go, we have English words. We also have words from other countries. That's not in the Bible. But that doesn't mean that it's not going to happen, you know? The Bible is the only yeah. book that's been around for how many, you know, years and the prophecies all have been a hundred percent accurate. And just because we don't see the word raptudos or rapture, oh, see, you know, it's not, I'm like, oh my gosh, well, you're driving a Maserati or you're driving a Hyundai or you're driving a Chevy. That's not mentioned in the scripture, but it's there. And I said, that go just you'll keep it, keep it simple. Like the saying is, you know, keep it simple, sweetie. I said, the Bible says that God is going to come back for the church. And if God said that, then God said it, he's going to do it. You know? And if we're that generation where Enoch walked with God and was not, how awesome would that be? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, well, I've also heard that, well, the rapture doctrine is a relatively new doctrine, you know, so it can't be true. Well, I want to read Daniel eight twenty six here. And the vision of the evenings and mornings, which was told is true. Therefore, seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. See, Daniel was told to seal this up for the time being. But then at the end of Revelation, find the right verse here. He says, not to seal the ship. Let's see if I can find it for you. Nah. Anyway, can't find it on the fly. Anyway, it says not to seal up these words. So, Daniel, thousands of years before Revelation, he was told to seal it up. And then here, 
He's told not to seal it up. Why? Because this is the day that's being spoken of. And so that doesn't mean that this is a new a new doctrine. It just means it just means that as we get closer to that time, we're going to understand more and more about it. I'm eating up protein bar while you're talking. That's all right. My dog's chewing on a bone over here. He's going to make a bunch of racket too. <laughs> no. You know, for those that are listening or watching, you know, there might be just one person. It might be a hundred. We don't know who you are. We don't know where you are. If you don't know Jesus Christ right now, tomorrow is not a guarantee. You know, both Adam and I, those of you that are listening, you're a first responder. You've been to enough calls where life is short. You can get into an accident and you die. And next thing you know, the officers and firefighters and paramedics are doing a report on you and how the accident happened. Right. I've done enough funerals in my lifetime. And I was, you know, when I get to do funerals for non-believers, it, it's very sobering and you know, funerals are not for the dead, but funerals are for the living. And I always remind people, I said, I go, this might be the last time that you see me and you hear me. If, if that's the case, and you need Jesus Christ in your life. You don't want to, you know, wait and have that idea. Well, I just wait till the last day or I'll, I'll wait till, you know, this isn't a Black Friday deal where you're like, oh, okay, I got another hour and I can go shopping. That's not how it works. And, you know, much like we have insurance policies on our cars, we have, you know, insurance policies on our lives. Well, spiritually, you want to have an assurance policy in Jesus Christ because you know, when you, when you and I die, there's two deaths for the believer. You die a physical death, but have two births, right? You die once physically, but you are born twice, meaning physically you're born and then spiritually you're born. If you're not a believer, man, you die you're born physically, but you also die spiritually. And that death is forever. Adam, you mentioned that verse in Exodus, that it's forever. And if you do the study of death, if you do a study of hell, you know that you could hear, you could see, you could touch, you could probably also taste. And that is forever. I mean, could you imagine eternal torment for the rest of your life eternally and so whoever you are out there accept jesus christ as your personal lord and savior acknowledge that you're a sinner and you're on your way to hell and then as you receive jesus christ into your life as your personal lord and savior there's your assurance policy that you're going to heaven if and when you die so all these talk about rapture, all these talk about end times. If we don't talk about Jesus Christ being the hope for you, then that, that we're not doing a good job. So I want to make sure that, you know, those of you that are out there listening or watching, 
accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't later. Don't wait till later today, because you, you never know when the when you're gonna die. So, accept Jesus. Amen to that. Revelation twenty two ten, and he said to me, "Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand." So, if you're looking around wondering, man, things are weird. I wonder why. Well, we just talked about it very mm. broadly. And uh, thanks, Mike, for sharing the gospel. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to chat about you, to chat about current current events, and uh, for blessing us with your word. Lord, we know that regardless of what happens, you are still on the throne. And we, we do ask for a special blessing over this country, Lord, that... If uh, if you are to delay your coming, that that you would redeem this country, at least until the time of the rapture, because then we know everything's going to go crazy. So in your son's name, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, folks. If you're not already, check us out on Instagram. If you don't like Instagram, I don't blame you. Check us out on YouTube. Everybody does that, I think. So we're on YouTube, Thin Line Believers. And, Mike, you're on there, too. What uh, What's your... Well, I'm on uh, almost all the platforms, uh, mainly on Instagram. You can find me there at Real Mike Chan, and also on Facebook. And I just started up Twitter today as oh. Real Mike Chan. I I think Twitter is going to be a big handle to feed live information. So. You know what? Thin Line Believers is on there too, but I haven't been on Oh, really? A very long time. Yeah, I closed my original Twitter when it first started when Twitter was getting all crazy and woke. So I closed that account. And so instead of starting a, uh, or restarting the old one, I just decided to start a new one today. But, nice. Yeah, who knows? We'll see. Search me on the on all the platforms, and you can listen to our Bible study message on YouTube's, and I think it's still on your Calvary Chapel Buckeye as the handle. But we're nice. doing business as Southwest Calvary. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Hopefully, it will be not too long. God see bless. you.